Hey, my name's Matt Kennedy, and this is the Steadfast Podcast. This podcast exists to use Bible study and theological teaching to encourage you to be steadfast in your faith. Thank you for taking time out of your day to check out the Steadfast Podcast. I hope today's episode is an encouragement to you. Last week, we saw a familiar parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We saw that when obedience is out of duty, we're going to look for loopholes. We'll see what's the bare minimum that we can get away with. What box can we check off? How far do we have to go before it's called a sin? It's looking at following Jesus purely by religious performance. But there is a different kind of obedience on display through the Good Samaritan, one that God desires for anyone who would follow him. We saw that when obedience is out of love, we look for opportunities. It becomes more about, since I am accepted by God, how can I honor God with my life, with my words, with my thoughts? And a lot less about, what do I need to do to be accepted by God? Really, we see obedience comes down to the posture of our heart. Today's passage continues to put the spotlight on the posture of the heart. This time we're not contrasting Jewish teachers or leaders with Samaritans, but rather we're contrasting two sisters. From their contrasting perspectives, I think we will see something that we all can relate to. But more importantly, something that we all need more of. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Quote, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. End quote. So after Jesus was tested by this teacher of the law, he is walking with his disciples. And from a few weeks ago, you might remember there are also some women who are traveling with them. So it's a pretty large group of people. They roll up on a little village that we're told in John chapter 10 is called Bethany. They're greeted by this really nice lady named Martha, and Martha brings this huge group of people into her house, and she jumps into action. She starts preparing a meal for all of these people who are now in her house. She is suddenly the hostess to a huge group of people. And it's apparent that she understands this is not just any group of people, because she refers to Jesus as Lord. She knows it's a special group. She knows this is a special man. So she's stressed. In her stress, she notices her sister Mary is totally unstressed. Actually, she is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every single word that he says. Now, this gets Martha a little bit upset. And now, before we judge her too harshly, let's think about the situation. I mean, if we factor Jesus and the disciples and the ladies that were traveling with them, there could easily have been 20 or more people in this house. Now, at the time of this recording, this coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. We know that Thanksgiving can be a very stressful meal and hosting time for a lot of people, 
a lot of people can have people in their house that aren't normally there and they're having to feed more people than normal, make sure everything is spotless because you know the people coming into the house are going to dust check everything. There's a lot of buzzing that's going to be going on in preparation for people. There's a lot of stress. There's a long to-do list. And if you think about handling all those things by yourself, it could be pretty overwhelming and stressful. And in any situation where there's pressure and there's hustle and there's stress, it is so easy to notice who's not hustling, who's not pressured, who's not stressed. Stress can make us react in ways that we normally wouldn't. And one might, I don't know, one named Martha might even be a tattletale and complain to Jesus about her sister who is suddenly not stressing. That takes me to the point that I think we can all relate to, and that's we're all at least a little bit stressed and anxious. We're all at least a little bit stressed and anxious. Even if you're not familiar with the stress of hosting a large group, you can definitely understand what Jesus says to her. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I mean, so many things can cause anxiousness, trouble, stress. Think about the things that stress you out. There's probably a few people, a few faces that popped in your mind right there. There are so many things that can pull our attention, our energy, our focus. I mean, if you're an adult, you've got to juggle work with family, with friends, with trying to be healthy, get enough sleep, the obligations, the responsibilities that are endless. If you're a teenager, you've got school, friends, sports, teams, clubs, jobs, family stuff. Again, it can seem endless. And there's probably times, whoever you are, where everything feels overwhelming, where you feel the anxiety and the trouble. I bet every single person listening to this knows what it means to feel that way, to feel anxious and troubled and stressed. I think we can convince ourselves that other people are are handling this stuff better. They're somehow juggling things better than we are, but really, that's not usually true. I remember growing up, or at least being a teenager or even a college student, and looking at adults and thinking, man, adults must have everything figured out. Now that I am an adult, I realize that we've got nothing figured out. We're just doing the best that we can and putting on a good front. But what's important for us to know is, when you feel overwhelmed, you're not the only one. You're not the only one that feels like you swam too deep into the deep end of the pool. Most people are right there with you. And when we feel this way, we can often look at, okay, what can I drop from my to-do list? What can I drop from my schedule? There's so many things in my life that are scheduled. The Google calendar looks crazy. What can I drop? And in that process, it can feel like an easy thing to drop, spending time with Jesus. I mean, will it really make a difference? Will anyone even know? I mean, there's no due date for a quiet time, right? It is a temptation we all face. I think we can think that way because we can sometimes see spending time in God's Word, learning from God as something else we have to do, something else to check off our to-do list, one more thing on our plate. And when we look at it that way, the thought of setting aside time for something else, anything else, can just seem stressful. But look at what Jesus said to Martha again. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. I've heard these urban legends and these myths about these people who forget to eat. People who just go about their day, they get distracted with stuff, and they forget to eat. Let me tell you something. I'm not that guy. There may be stuff that comes up in a day that throws off my schedule, throws it for a loop, and I miss a meal. But I assure you, 
I did not forget. It was circumstances. It was not a lack of memory. Food never feels like one more thing to check off my list because it satisfies a need and boy does it. Furthermore, I enjoy food. Big fan of food. Whether we are talking about tacos or burgers or steak or pasta or chicken and dumplings or nachos or shrimp or a million kinds of potatoes, baked potato, fries, hash browns, tater tots, potato wedges, all the potatoes really, pizza or cheese, particularly queso that maybe you dip cheese into it. And... Okay, I actually forgot where this was supposed to go. But I do, um, yeah, I enjoy food. It satisfies a need, and it never feels like one more thing. Sleep never feels like one more thing for the same reason. I am a big fan of sleeping. I enjoy it. My body doesn't always let me enjoy it that much, but when it does, I love sleeping. And it satisfies a need as well. What happens if we go a long time without eating? We get weak. We might get grumpy. However it shows, we know we ain't right. It's like that Snickers commercial. You're not you when you're hungry. The same is true of sleep. If you go through sleepless nights and they start adding up time and time again, you're going to be different. You're not going to be as alert, as clear-minded. As important as food is, it's not the one thing Jesus was talking about. As important as sleep is, it's not the one thing Jesus was talking about. He's talking about something far more important. Look, if we go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, and Satan wants to tempt Jesus with food. So in Matthew 4, 4, it says this, quote, But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. End quote. If stress and anxiousness is something we can all relate to, surely that one thing Jesus was talking about is what we all need more of. It is what Mary models for us in this passage. And that is simply, we all need time at the feet of Jesus. We all need time at the feet of Jesus. So many people only get what comes from the Word of God on Sunday mornings or maybe Sundays and Wednesday. I feel pretty confident that you would not be healthy if you only ate twice a week. And you would be a zombie if you only slept twice a week. Either way, you're probably not going to live super long. You're not going to be spiritually healthy only getting the Word of God twice a week or once a week. Stress will drain you. Life is like a cup with a small hole in the bottom. Though you can fill the cup, it is constantly draining. So as you're going about your day, your cup is draining. And if you don't refill it in a certain amount of time, you can feel it emptying, right? And if you go for too long of a time, you can tell you have run dry. Dr. Warren Wearsby spent decades serving the Lord in different types of ministry. He was a pastor at several churches. He taught Bible classes. He preached on the radio, which is what they did before podcasts were a thing. He wrote over 170 books. That was not a typo. 170 books. He has helped a lot of people through a lot of hard situations. He once wrote, quote, Often in my pastoral ministry, I have asked people with serious problems, tell me about your devotional life. The usual response has been an embarrassed look, a bowed head, and a quiet confession. I stopped reading my Bible, and I stopped praying. End quote. Too many people have been running on an empty cup for too long. That is not sustainable. Cars can run a good bit on empty, but eventually they will break down. They will be stranded. People are the same way. 
You can only run on fumes for so long. Our problem is that we often look at the wrong things to fill our tank. Jesus said one thing is necessary. We need more time at the feet of Jesus. That is the one thing that was necessary. More time in His Word, praying to Him, spending time dedicated to our Jesus. Look at what Mary does in verse 9. Quote, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. End quote. What's awesome about Mary is that she shows up three times in the Gospels. Here in Luke chapter 10, and then two times in the Gospel of John. In this passage, she is at the feet of Jesus, listening. In John 11, she fell down to the feet of Jesus to share her pain over the death of her brother Lazarus. In John chapter 12, she anoints the feet of Jesus with oil as an act of worship. What's really cool is that she always goes to the feet of Jesus. She is always humbling herself before Jesus. She is always worshiping. She is always treasuring Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Two of the times she goes to the feet of Jesus, someone says a sharp word about it. And both of those times, Jesus defends her. Look at what Jesus said to Martha, verses 41 and 42. Quote, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. End quote. What is the good portion that Mary keeps choosing? Jesus. He is the good portion. He is the treasure. She keeps choosing to be a worshiper. I mean, there's lots of Old Testament verses that kind of go in this line of thinking. Think of Psalm chapter 16, verse 5, quote, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot, end quote. Or Psalm 73, verse 26, quote, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. End quote. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. End quote. To say the Lord is my portion is to say that God is enough for me, that I will be content with whatever He brings into my life as long as I have Him. No matter what I gain, no matter what I lose, I will be content with the Lord. He is my great treasure. Like food satisfies our stomach, like sleep recharges the body, the Lord satisfies our soul. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 say this, quote, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, end quote. You see, God is not meant to be something we check off a list. Remember our discussion last week? When obedience is out of duty, we will look for loopholes. When obedience is out of love, we will look for opportunities. It is that perspective that looks to be satisfied by the Lord and His Word. He's what we need. Yet we so often try to plug other things in His place. Isn't that what we see in Martha? Maybe we have something in common with Martha because we try to put things in the place of spending time at the feet of Jesus. Verse 40 said, quote, But Martha was distracted with much serving. End quote. See what's crazy here? Is that Martha was distracted with a good thing. But that good thing that she was distracted with caused her to miss the best thing. 
See, serving is a wonderful thing. Doing good for others, it is a fantastic thing. Actually, the scriptures call us to do this over and over and over again. Yet, no matter how many good things we think we are doing, those good things are not a replacement for sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's too easy to get distracted with things that we think will give us a quick boost. It's too easy to miss Jesus in the midst of all the busy. Listen, I know you're tired. I know you're stressed, you're anxious, you're overwhelmed. There are so many things on your to-do list, and it seems like no one's helping you. I know there are things that are bringing you trouble, but the answer is not going to be found scrolling on your phone. The answer is not going to be found in a relationship. The answer is not going to be found in more money hitting your bank account. The answer is only going to be found in spending time with Him. Gen Z has been called the most anxious generation in history. That's not their fault, though. It's more of the circumstances and the connectivity of our world now. But they're not the only ones. All generations... Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, whoever's older than Boomers, they all live in a very anxious world. All generations walking around really need the words of Jesus that are found in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30. He says, quote, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. End quote. Jesus invites us to come to him. When we are carrying the weight of the world, he offers his help. You gotta go to him. You gotta spend time in his word. Not once in a while. We're talking about every single day. Just like you need sleep tonight. Just like you need food today. You need time in the word in this day. I don't think we always recognize our hunger for God because we've been hungry for so long and we have tried to satisfy that hunger with so many things. We are numb to it. And it's time that we wake up, that we taste and see that He is good, that we realize that we have to be disciplined to be consistent, that we can actually do this, that we can say, you know what, if I know one thing is necessary for me to have a flourishing life, and that is to be with the Lord, to spend time in His Word, to spend time calling out to Him, And by the way, flourishing doesn't mean successful by the world's standards, but it does mean vibrant in the way that we will walk in the ways that our God has called us to walk in. Look, I am strongly recommending that you set a time on your calendar that says meet with God, meeting with God, Jesus time, whatever you want to label it out, but block off time. And not like at the end of your schedule where you place all the other things that you deem important and then try to squeeze God in the mix. I'm saying, hey, my time with this one thing that is necessary, this one thing that I need, I will place this in my schedule above all else. This will be my priority because I understand that I will not do any of my other priorities well unless my cup is filled by time with Jesus. And I'm going to recommend you do this on a printed Bible. Not a Bible app. I know Bible apps are great. They are a gift. They are a blessing to the church and to the world. But listen, the thing is, if you're looking at a Bible app, you're looking at your phone, and there are too many notifications that can pop up and distract your focus. Whoever's sending you something can wait while you spend time with Jesus. 
99.9% of notifications may feel pressing, but they're really not. The snaps, the texts, the whatever, they can wait. You've got to figure out what the distractions are that are vying for your attention. You've got to figure out what obstacles are keeping you from spending more time at the feet of Jesus. And it's time to be intentional. It's time to say, I'm going to push all the noise aside and be this one thing, like Mary, at the feet of Jesus, receiving the good portion the one thing that is necessary, the one thing that I need to saturate all of my life. Thanks for listening to the Steadfast Podcast. I want to remind you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul wrote this, quote, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain, end quote. So in light of biblical truth, let us be steadfast, immovable. Let us remember that through Jesus, not one labor is in vain, not one trial is in vain, not one effort in all of our lives is in vain, because he gives purpose, and that purpose rings through eternity. That's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, if you've got questions you would like answered, you can email me at matt at steadfastpodcast.com.